because uh, the opening illustration this morning may not make sense to them. Last Sunday night, I was in a strange mood, maybe more than normal, and I was in a strange mood, so I was kind of plunking through. I don't even know how to say you're flipping through channels anymore because it was all streaming services. I was, I was, I don't know, maybe like ticking around different streaming services, just trying for something entertaining. It was about 1130 at night, and a lot of times on Sunday nights, that, that's, I have a hard time just shutting my thoughts down from the day and uh, maybe thinking like, what did I miss saying, or how did I uh, miss say something, or whatever. I don't even think miss say is the right way to say it in the first place, so that one will be there later tonight. Now you know how to pray for me. Um, I, was, I was scrolling through streaming channels, just trying to find something funny to watch, and I came across the mother load of 80s sitcoms on one of the streaming services. And I was like, this, this feels right. This feels right. So I, I clicked on one of them, and Stephanie instantly looked at me, and she goes, you're going to use this, aren't you? And I said, yes, I am. Because what I clicked on was Family Ties, the, the 80s sitcom Family Ties, and I clicked on the pilot episode. And if you know anything about the pilot, that's when they're trying the concept. They don't actually have it all down. And maybe the, maybe the network hasn't invested in it fully, but they're trying it out to see if it's something that works. But from the opening note of Family Ties... I was a kid again. I was a kid again. I mean, how many networks now end a theme song with like something as profound a lyric as sha-la-la-la? You just heard it, didn't you? Because it's been in my mind all week. Now it's in your mind too. Welcome. Welcome to my mind space. It was a wonderful moment because I was, one, taken back to my own childhood, but I'm sitting there and I'm I'm almost crying laughing because there's so much about this show that you could not get away with. Do you remember when it was controversial that this was the show that was on television? When it was controversial that it was, it seemed like they were very, very liberal parents and they had this conservative son. How did that even happen? How did they coexist in the same home? I don't know. Like that was the day that it was where it seemed like that was the most controversial thing. And I remember Stephanie looking over at me at one point and she said, it's crazy that this was controversial at a time and yet it's better parenting advice than what you'd receive on most television today. It's true. And I said, you know what that means, babe? We're old. Because it wasn't great parenting advice. It wasn't biblical parenting advice, right? And so it means that we're old. And I told her at one point, I said, you know what we should do? If we're looking for some new way to punish our children, we should make them watch the show with us. I can just picture it now. They were kind of in the, in the rest of the house doing other things. And I said, I can picture it now. Our kids sitting down and rolling their eyes as we kind of try to explain everything 80s to them that comes across the, comes across the screen. Swatch watches. How do you describe that? And I'm not talking about just the ones that you wore on your wrist. You know, the one that was a gummy and it had the protector across the top. I'm talking about the big one on your wall in your room. Or the clear phone. How do you explain a landline? As we explain all of these things, 80s, what's going to happen to our children? They're going to realize this is a true punishment. Their eyes are going to roll back. I mean, 80s didn't even have the technology to be able to fill our entire TV screens today. It's old. And you know, the problem is, is that there are times that we equate old age, adulthood, and maturity as the same things. 
That is dangerous, isn't it? See, I'm old now, I'm 45, but I'm not mature. I had chocolate cake and ice cream for breakfast yesterday. True story. True story, I had chocolate cake and ice cream yesterday. I am immature. As, as, as Stephanie walked through, I'd made it the night before. I just wanted to be able to start and finish something in the same night. It was about 11 o'clock at night on Friday night, and I said, I just need to bake a cake. And so I did. I baked a cake, and I had it for breakfast with ice cream the next morning. That's immature. It was delicious, but immature. Right? That's, that's not a part of a balanced diet. There's no Cheerios commercial for that. That's not heart healthy. It's dangerous for us to equate age and maturity especially in the church but maturity is absolutely the aim of the gathered church and so as we're talking about adulthood i think it's right for us to understand that scripture has a lot to say about this subject it has a lot to instruct us when it comes to adulthood it has even more to say about spiritual maturity And so let's look to God's word together and see what it has to say. In Ephesians chapter 4, I'm going to begin reading in verse 13. Until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God and to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried out by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness in deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint from which it, with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. Lord, as we prayed just a moment ago, I I ask that you would help us to come to see the beauty of spiritual maturity today. That we would see the wonder of this season of adulthood, but that it would lead us to spiritual maturity. That we would be able to experience this fullness of Christ. We love to sing about it. We, we love the, the idea of experiencing the fullness of Christ, and yet so often we disconnect it from those mundane moments in life. Holy Spirit, help us to make those connections today through your word. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. You know, Paul uses a metaphor in this particular passage of a body, and he's talking about what it looks like for a body to mature. And it's interesting, as we're talking about the subject of adulthood, we can cover a range of topics. We can talk about uh, the, the wonderful aspect of work as worship before the Lord. We can talk about seasons and stages of life as you are moving through years of being parents or perhaps in a married state, perhaps you're still single. But does God's word claim one over the other, over and above the other? Does God's word inform us how it is that we are to live as adults? And it does. See, adults are all throughout Scripture. Adults are all throughout Scripture. But maturity is the aim of adulthood. Maturity is the aim of adulthood. 
Now, I don't think that that has to do with me learning how to not eat chocolate cake and ice cream on a Saturday morning. I pray that never stops, actually. I can't wait to share that with my grandchildren. I'm not in a rush, kids, but I can't wait to do that. And then give them back to you. But you see, Scripture speaks to us about something far more important than the season or stage of life that we're in. And here's where I want to help us all make a connection today. Because you may look at this and say, well, I I guess I would be considered a young adult. Maybe I should just check out. Or you say, well, you know, I'm nearing my retirement years, so this really doesn't apply to me anymore. Maybe I should just check out. And, And I would actually say this. This word is for us all today. See, that's, that's the beauty of God's word. It's so comprehensive. It speaks to every aspect of our life, no matter the season or stage. So perhaps you didn't go out with Bridge 46, and you have a lot of questions about, about 80s television for your parents on the way home. God be praised. But I think that this message is for you today as well. I, I actually want the young people in our church to be envisioned for spiritual maturity. More than that, equipped for the season of life that is to come. Because I don't know about you, but in my adulthood, it does not look like I thought it would. Anybody experience that? Adulthood doesn't look like what I thought it would. I thought, you know, someday when I have this, I'm going to do this with it. Have you done it? Have you done what you plan to? Perhaps some of you are reaching this stage of adulthood and you think, I'm well into these years. I'm well into these years and... What I see behind me is not moments of rejoicing, but moments of regret. Moments that I look back on and say, why did I need to go through that, Lord? There are years of mine and Stephanie's marriage that don't make sense to me. There are years of parenting and vocation that don't make sense to me yet. There are years of trial and actual physical pain that don't make sense to me yet. And yet there's a beauty of adulthood. So how is it that Ephesians chapter 4, in these verses that we've just read, these three verses, four verses, how do they instruct us? Well, Paul wants us to see beyond age and to see that maturity involves Christ-likeness. Maturity involves Christ-likeness. Now, if we look around the world around us, if we are thinking about the subject of adulthood, there might be some common marks that we would see. Uh, we might see something like they've completed some education or some type of training. They've, they've been through a season of training, and so now they're beginning to work in that vocation that they've been trained in. Uh, an adult might be somewhere where you have a job that is contributing to society in some way, shape, or form. These are some, some kind of historic marks of adulthood. You might be at a place where you have come into a relationship and there's marriage now that is a part of adulthood and that's led to children and parental responsibilities and then maybe a season of independent living. Stephanie, I find ourselves increasingly in this season. We have one son that's away this weekend, another who lives outside the home and, and our daughter, we're, you know, we're, we're learning a new season of life but there's kind of this independence as she's able to be at home by herself. These are some common marks in the world of adulthood. Now, I want to be careful here because what Scripture is going to point us to is that the ultimate picture of maturity is Christ. 
he is the one that we are measured against. It says, according to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ in verse 13. But when I speak about things like marriage, I want to be clear here that both marriage and singleness testify to the good news of the gospel. In other words, if you're here today and you're an adult but you're not married, it doesn't mean that you are less than as a believer. It doesn't mean that someday you get to grow up and be a real Christian. You are a real Christian now if you are in Christ. Let's be clear about this. I appreciated this from Sam Albury. He says it this way, that marriage shows us the shape of the gospel in that it, mold, it models the covenant promises that God has made to us through Christ. The covenant of marriage. Singleness shows us the sufficiency of the gospel because it shows us the reality that marriage is intended to point to. Our relationship with Jesus. So if you're here today, let's not think of marriage or singleness as plus or minus when it comes to Christianity or maturity. Scripture's call to all of us is the same because Scripture actually provides us a slightly different set of priorities. I said that maturity is a Christ-likeness. Scripture provides us a different set of priorities for adulthood and, and, and maturity. It says that in order to be a mature believer, that you are embracing your call as a man or woman created in the image of God. You embrace and you flourish in the role that you've been given. That's a maturity. That's a Christ-likeness. That a biblical adulthood is functional. That it's actually something that even as adults appear in Scripture that there are functions to adulthood that need fulfilling. I mentioned contributing to society, that there are things that you can play as a part of your role, as a part of your unique giftings and strengths, maybe even talents, perhaps training that's been developed over time. But adulthood brings with it its own temptations, doesn't it? It brings with it its own temptations. Sometimes restraints are thrown off in adulthood. It's almost as if you've come to a place where you just say, well, now I have the time and I have the money, so I'm just going to do me. I'm going to live my life for me. I'm going to do the things that I always dreamed of, and I'm going to abandon the call of spiritual maturity, and I'm going to embrace this season of life. I had a friend that for years, we had children rather young, and for years he said, we had our children young so we could enjoy our money old. I don't have money, so, I, so hopefully that day comes. Well, what am I saying in the midst of that? It's a prioritization, isn't it? That phrase, that turn of phrase is a prioritization of something. I think I had to have children young because they drained all the energy that I had in youth. They drained all of the energy that I had in youth. But adulthood can come with its own temptations, can't it? What about when you look at those who are younger than you, and you're arrogant. Man, that generation. That generation. I was looking at some information on the church this week and just looking at what are the different age breakdowns in the church. God has blessed us to be a multi-generational church. I am grateful for that. I think that's a gift to us as a church. Something like just shy of... of 
uh, right around 7% of the families have more than three generations represented in this room today. Uh, that's a gift. That, that's actually something you don't see or hear much about anymore. And I was looking at some things like my generation, my age group. It's one of the smallest demographics on our chart. And it breaks my heart. I've seen so many friends leave. I'm not saying they've left the faith, but they're not here with us anymore. And I feel that ache at times. I feel that ache at times. I don't know all the reasons why. So I find myself trying to listen a lot for what are the things that are happening amongst my own generation. I see an increasing uh, wave of our older generations, those who are 65 and over. There is a wave of members there. In the same way that there's a wave of members coming up through TruthQuest right now. One of the largest demographics is gathered just the other side of that wall right there. That's a tsunami heading Matt and Claire's direction in Alive. Pray for them. Because some of them are y'alls. So now you know how to pray for them. The church goes through expansion and contraction like that's natural. But when we start to look at what is God's grace through generations as something that's polarizing, that's a unique temptation in adulthood, isn't it? Do you know what I realized this week? Some of the older millennials are now in their early 40s. So when we talk about generations, and if you're talking about those, those millennials, they're the ones paying for your Social Security right now. You should probably watch that. That's a unique temptation, isn't it? Pride. What about pride toward older generations? Well, I'm glad we know more about God's word than that. I'm glad we don't think that way. I'm glad that's not where my hope is found. Pride. Pride is a unique temptation in this time of life. It, it might even lead to a, a sense of self-sufficiency. Perhaps you're here today and it's been a while since you've been in church. I don't draw attention to that to, to try to heap some kind of condemnation on you, but is that an expression of self-sufficiency? I've worked for this. I've worked to be able to enjoy my weekends off. I've worked to be able to not have to be with the gathered church. Isn't that what the live stream is for? Nope. A self-sufficiency as an expression of pride can be a unique temptation in adulthood, can't it? Why don't we flip to the other side of it? Despair can be a unique temptation. Have I done enough? Have I worked enough? Is this all there is to life? Have I saved enough? I've worked to attain this position or this goal or this milestone, and is this all there is to life? So a sense of pride can be one of the expressions and the, the unique temptations in adulthood, and despair can be as well. Is this what I was living for? Is this what I was created for? And then the temptation and the way that you express that is that you try to find ways to fulfill what only Christ can. And you start tinkering in the things of the world, saying, will this do it? Will this fill the void in my heart? But Colossians chapter 1 gives us a higher aim for our lives. 
I know that we're in Ephesians chapter 4 today, but Colossians 1.28 says this, Him our lives proclaim. Him we proclaim, warning everyone, teaching everyone with all wisdom that we may present everyone, what? Mature in Christ. So maturity has, as a mark of it, a Christ-likeness. That's what verse 13 shows us. It also says that there would be a doctrinal stability. Verse 14 talks about us not being children tossed to and fro by the waves, carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human coving, by craftiness, by deceitful schemes. Maturity involves doctrinal stability. In other words, knowing what is true. Knowing the things that God has said clearly that is a part of the the blessing of of truth being handed down from one generation to the next. This kind of speaks in the face of that temptation to say, I'm glad I understand the gospel better than the generations that went before me. Careful, that's a slippery slope for the generations behind you. I know it because I've seen it. History shows us this plainly. Scripture actually gives us ways in our maturity to be like children. It says to eat chocolate cake on Saturday. No, it doesn't say that. It says that we are to approach the kingdom of God with a simple childlike faith. A childlike faith. So in other words, our understanding of receiving is to be in awe and wonder like a child that gets to receive this great gift. Matthew 18 3 says this, truly I say to you, unless you turn and become like children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. We can approach the kingdom of God with a simple childlike trust in God. Trust. There's a battered word today. Bankrupt in a moment. Takes a lifetime of deposits to build up. And yet we are called to a childlike trust in God. What's another way? Well, when it comes to evil, we're to be infants. 1 Corinthians 14, 20 says this, Brothers, do not be children in your thinking. Be infants in evil, but in your thinking be mature. Be infants to evil, but in your thinking, be mature. So we're actually given two ways that we are to be childlike in our faith, in receiving, and when it comes to what is evil. But Paul says that it, we are to grow in our knowledge of the truth. He mentions a growth in the unity of the faith. But Philippians 3.10 connects our faith to both our intellect, our wisdom, and our heart. Philippians 3.10 says this, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and may share in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death. That does not sound great. I don't see a lot of churches putting this out as their vision and mission statement. Become like Christ in his death. Join us this Sunday at 10. I probably should redo our Easter flyers. But that's the invitation and maturity in the life of the believer. Have you walked through difficult things? Are you walking through difficult things? Do you know what God is doing? He's maturing you. He's maturing you. Verse 14 says, don't be little children. Don't be thrown around by every wave of life that hits you, by every doctrine that comes along. And it says something that says, brilliant, 
This agrees with me. Oh, we hear the word world clamor for that today, don't we? See, we enter the Christian life as these children, but we are to grow through the word. We are to grow through disciple-making opportunities. So spiritual birth, if you've experienced the spiritual new birth, then it's time to spiritually grow up. I don't say that as a condemning word. I, I say it as an invitation. I say it as an invitation to not be tempted by that, that pride or that despair. To not give in to that self-sufficiency or that self-fulfillment. To grow up in your new birth. Because that's what Paul is telling us. It's what he's saying to the church in Ephesus. It's what he's saying to us as a church today. Are you growing old or are you growing up? It's not the same thing. My fear for us as a church is that we are adolescents in our faith, but we are called to grow up in all aspects of Christ. Maybe I can ask it this way. Can you articulate to me as a testimony the last thing that God matured you in? And if that story's not from this year, we should prayerfully consider why that is. Many of us have testimonies from years ago. What's your testimony now of how God is maturing you? How God is using your circumstances to grow you into Christ? Experiencing His goodness. Maturity also involves truth joined with love as we continue to go through our passage here today. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into Him who is the head into Christ. Good news, church. My title is lead pastor, not savior. Not chief shepherd. Not only intercessor. Christ is the head of this church. I follow him. I want you to follow him with me. Let's go. Christ is the head of the church. But man, is this a pendulum that we either get very right or very wrong. See, it's, it's right for us to present truth to the world around us. It's right for us to present truth and hold to key doctrines of the faith. It's uh, Key doctrines meaning the teachings of the faith. It's what he's talking about uh, earlier in the passage where he's talking about a unity of the faith. A unity and a believing of the right ways and right teachings of the faith. And it should be presented in love. It should be presented in love. I, I pray that folks would say this about our church. They preach the Bible faithfully. I pray that for us as a church. I ask you to pray for me as one who leads in this church. That we would preach the Bible faithfully faithfully and I also hope that they say they love each other like family and they love their neighbors as themselves they are not in opposition to one another we do not have to sacrifice one at the altar of the other both can be true so in other words if people disagree with doctrine I pray that they would still see that we love them because truth without love can lead to 
hypocrisy. Excuse me, love without truth can lead to hypocrisy. Truth without love can actually come across brutally to one another. And neither one of those glorify the name of God. Can I encourage you today that there is an opportunity for you to maximize your growth? And I don't mean to sound like a commercial or an MLM. I mean to let you know what Scripture tells you, how it is that you can grow exponentially. Know truth and deliver it in love. Be loving and hold fast to the truth. See, they exponentially grow when they are in concert with one another. Do you want to mature? Is the sense that you fall to one side of the spectrum or the other, that you are a loving person, but every once in a while I don't know about all that doctrine stuff? Here's how you can grow. Learn about the doctrine stuff. Do you have the doctrine stuff down? Do you have all of the answers? Do you understand in the midst of your suffering what it is that's going on theologically? And you can spell all of the words that you can say. Love. Love in how you tell others about it. You can grow exponentially in the midst of that. It's how God calls us to maturity. So let me ask you this. Are you known for both personally? You can ask your family. They may have been trying to tell you for years. You can ask your community group. They may have been trying to tell you for years that you're known more for one than the other. I don't know the answer to that. What would others say? Are you known for both truth and love personally? It's a good diagnostic for us to see where it is that God is calling us to mature. Maturity also involves a contribution. Verse 16, from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it grows in love. Paul here returns to the limbs of the body as a part of this metaphor that he's breaking down for us. Because you are a part of the body of Christ, you are important. In the same way that your marital status isn't what makes you more or less of a Christian, your status as in Christ makes you important to his body in the church. Every one of you is critical to Metro Life Church. No one of us is more important than the other. Let's have our eyes open to take initiative toward one another because we need one another. None of us can function apart from the other. Every member called to contribute using what it is that you or I have because our greatest need is fulfilled in Christ himself. We grow up into him, it says in verse 15. We're dependent on him together. We're not dependent on one another. We're dependent on Christ because he's the head. He's the source of the church. But we're members of that body. Dependent on one another. Each part is called to work properly. Are you fulfilling the role that God has called you to in the church? Do you know that as we grow, as Christ, as we experience the fullness of Christ, as we use the gifts that we have in love, that the church grows? 
in maturity numerically? I can assure you of this. I am not focused on the numbers seated before me, streaming with us right now. I want to see us grow in the depth and the fullness of Christ. But what a privilege it is to be united with Christ and united with one another. This last week, uh, a niece of mine had to have surgery because one of the tendons in her calf wasn't growing as quickly as she is. Last week, I joked, we don't have a full quiver because it's not five children. We just went with larger arrows. Large projectiles for the glory of God run in my family. My niece had to have surgery because one of the tendons in her leg wasn't growing as quickly as the rest of her body is. So they had to have surgery to try to correct this. And, and you realize that makes sense. That makes sense for a Jewett orthopedic commercial, doesn't it? Oh, that makes sense. But sometimes we don't think about that when it comes to the body of Christ. So if you can't answer the question, how is it that God has called you to grow or mature in this year, you're that tendon. And we all want to grow with you. The church body may be groaning to grow because of you. This is where it's such a tremendous privilege. Because we don't stay in that place. The gospel comes in and it operates on us as a people. As the individuals, as the body of Christ. And it says, you're going to all grow up into Christ. That we would experience the fullness What a beautiful picture. What a glorious call for each one of us. Even if one Christian fails to develop spiritually in maturity, the church as a whole isn't as strong as she should be. So how's your growth? That's an important question for us to be able to answer. It's an important question for us to be able to lovingly ask one another in a variety of contexts. Now, Paul is describing much of this growth corporately, not just individually. The church is Christ's instrument to the world. It's one of outreach and renewal. It's a part of the sanctifying work in believers' lives as we are changed from one degree of glory to another. Through our Christian example, our witness, our worship, our accountability to one another, all of these contribute to us growing in the grace of God. The gospel's good news is this. We are saved by Jesus Christ and renewed in his image. Too many of us stop at salvation. And we miss the blessing and the benefit of renewal. We are saved by Christ and renewed in his image. And that renewal process, it happens in the mundane moments of life, and it happens in the most spectacular moments of life. I may have mentioned this before, a few months ago my son encouraged me, he said, you should probably dust off your your LinkedIn profile. So I did. And, And I was blown away, it had been years since I logged in, I had to go through the whole process. That's annoying, right? That whole like, I forget who I am, I forget my password. That's annoying, right? But when I logged in, all of a sudden, I, 
my screen was lit up with people rejoicing in new levels of accomplishment. I, I couldn't scroll back far enough to realize, like, wow, a lot of the church is here. And there's a lot of rejoicing in accomplishments and certifications and new levels and, hey, let me add a boy that and let me add a girl that and let me just rejoice that, hey, you're a great thought leader. Hey, you're provoking me to this kind of servant leadership. Hey, you're, I, I was just able to complete this certification. I just did this course and, and look at these things. And it's kind of a living CV. It's this resume in real time, right? You realize that before the throne of God, that same kind of thing is scrolling before the Lamb that gave His life for you? Are we rejoicing in the right things, church? Are we rejoicing that we have not only been saved, but look at this new level of renewal. I just learned I don't have to be a jerk as a dad, praise be. Hey, we celebrate this with you. No, there's no Christian LinkedIn, is there? There's just the church. Bought with the precious blood of Jesus. Let's celebrate those moments of growth together. And if there hasn't been growth in a while, let's grow up together. Amen? Amen. Father, we pray right now that we as a church would grow. Not for our glory. Not for our resume's sake. but as we experience the renewal that you so richly provide for us through Jesus Christ. Lord, we thank you that your word helps us to understand adulthood spiritually as maturity. That we can know what it looks like to be image bearers of Christ and what that looks like in the life of those who believe. Lord, as Ephesians 4 tells us, that we can put on the new self created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. As Romans 8 tells us, that you foreknew that you predestined and you are conforming into the image of the Son of God. And 2 Corinthians 3.18 says that we behold the glory of the Lord and we are being transformed from one degree of glory to another. That comes from the Lord through his spirit. Father, we thank you for that maturation. And we pray that it would continue in our hearts today. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. I mentioned earlier that